Welcome to RV Out West. I'm your host, Brooks. My family of fours base camp is located in the beautiful Pacific Northwest, and our RV adventures radiate out from there. Please grab a mug of coffee and join us as we discuss RVing around the American West. From sweet camping spots, gear and equipment, to tips and tricks, we've got you covered. We are RV Out West. Seattle is a great place to visit. There are so many activities for all types of people. For those that are super active in the outdoors, Seattle offers just about every type of activity from hiking, mountaineering, rock climbing, kayaking, stand-up paddleboarding, mountain biking, road cycling, scuba diving, skiing and snowboarding in the winter and spring, fishing, and so much more. If you're into the arts, we have a rich natural history museums, art museums, the aquarium and zoo are also wonderful, plus a great music scene. Seattle also is a great food town and will offer all genres and styles. Seattle has been getting a bad rap lately, but that doesn't mean it should be crossed off your list. Don't cheat yourself and be sure to make the stop and visit the wonderful city and the area that surrounds it. I'm not going to lie, Seattle traffic is a bear. It is ranked as the fifth worst in the nation. I say that not to discourage, but to encourage you to budget your time accordingly. It really doesn't matter on time of day. Yes, morning and afternoon commute drive times are the worst, but just have some expectations so you don't end up being disappointed. Now that the ugly stuff is out of the way, welcome to the Pacific Northwest. You will love your trip and time spent out here in the upper left coast. It's beautiful. It's where the mountains meet the ocean. In today's episode, I'm going to kind of break down what are some activities that you can do in and around the greater Seattle metropolitan area, as well as where are some campgrounds that are somewhat close and relative to getting you access into Seattle, but so you can find a place to park your RV, travel trailer, motorhome, etc. I'm not going to be covering everything that there is to do in Seattle because a lot of that is all based on your own personal preferences. What I do want to share are some of my family's highlights and favorites that even though we are locals, we still often will go and do and see these things in the city. Pike Place Market is an absolute must. We typically go there about once a year at minimum. My big recommendation for visiting Pike Place Market is to not eat a quote-unquote proper lunch, but more nibble your way through the market and share many small bites as a family. You'll have a great experience and get to taste a lot of different things. My must-visits are Market Spice and Tea Shop. The butcher across the way from Market Spice Shop has an amazing land yager. Get the spicy one. You can also then watch the fish throwers and then turn the corner by the brass pig and go down the stairs to lay witness to the disgusting, yet you have to look, gum wall. Feel free to add to it. It's part of the charm. There are floors below the main floor to explore, and be sure to go across the street and walk through the market on that side. There's a pickle shop over there on the other side of the street that does like naturally fermented pickles. Um, They're fantastic pickles. And you can even do little shots of the pickle juice if you want. There is Beecher's Mac and Cheese, which is incredible. And it's just this thick, rich, creamy mac and cheese that you can try. And again, we just kind of get one of the small ones and everybody gets a few forkfuls because we're just kind of walking through the market. There's, you know, shrimp cocktails to try and 
and all sorts of wonderful, wonderful fruits, veggies, and just all sorts of wonderful food to kind of eat your way through Pike Place Market. To get some other ideas for things you might want to see in and around Pike Place Market, watch Anthony Bourdain in The Layover. He ventures around Seattle and Pike Place Market. And so you can find that wherever you get your Anthony Bourdain layover episodes. Salmon. You must eat salmon. It is unlike any salmon you may have ever tasted in your life. Even if you are like, I don't like seafood, I don't like salmon, the salmon out here is not like anything you have ever had. And you are going to want to make sure to eat wild-caught salmon while you are here. The wild-caught Pacific Northwest salmon is a staple of our diet, and it's amazing. Find it at any great restaurant, and you are going to want to make sure you get it. I've been feeding salmon to my children since they were in high chairs. Because if even if you have small children, the tail section of a salmon doesn't have any bones in it. So for those younger kids, I always would give them that tail piece of salmon. My son just had his 10th birthday about a year ago. His request for his birthday dinner was salmon. And so we went to one of Seattle's finer seafood restaurants, and he had an adult portion of salmon dinner, and the kid housed it all. The Fremont Neighborhood. This is a fun, kitsch little neighborhood with fun restaurants and shops you can just kind of fall into. But while you're here, be sure to search out and find the Fremont Troll under the Fremont Bridge. There is a concrete troll that in its hands is a full-size Volkswagen bug. There are great pubs, restaurants. Um, it's just a really, really wonderful neighborhood to just kind of get out and kind of walk and get that neighborhood vibe. They also have a great uh, market. I think it's on Sundays, if I remember. So if you happen to be in the city around that time, this would be a great area to kind of walk around and check out. Alki Beach. Total different part of the city, um, but Alki Beach is over near West Seattle, and the West Seattle Bridge has been down for construction for like the last two years, so you kind of got to navigate around that Fauntleroy Bridge. So once you, get, once you make the trek out to West Seattle, parking can be a little bit of a bear down there at Alki, but once you find parking... There's this great sidewalk and boardwalk, and you can walk up and down it, and there'll be people rollerblading and skateboarding and bicycling, and there's there's sandy beaches. So if you wanted to pack a picnic and sit on the sandy beach and be looking out across the Puget Sound over at the Seattle skyline, also might be a great place to watch the sunset. There is a really wonderful restaurant there called Spud's Fish and Chips. This is that small hole in the wall. It doesn't have a lot of tables, mom and pop kind of seafood place. But Spud's Fish and Chips is the barometer for with which I gauge all fish and chips against. Spud's Fish and Chips has set the bar so high. So you could go pick up your little, you know, that paper boat of fish and chips and then go find a spot to sit and eat your fish and chips while you're looking out at the beach for an afternoon activity. It is incredible seafood. It's simply the best. You can learn more about them at alkispud.com. The Northwest Outdoor Center. This is centrally located on the main lake, Lake Union. Here you can rent kayaks or stand-up paddle boards and go do an urban paddle 
in an environment on Lake Union. This will give you a bird's eye view and a perspective of the, all the cool houseboats that you may see on HGTV. Plus, if it's a sunny day, it is an absolutely fantastic place to go for a paddle and just get a really fun and different view of the Seattle area. The Northwest Outdoor Center, otherwise known as NWOC, is kind of a halfway point between Pike Place Market and Fremont. So one day activity could kind of be to go to Pike Place, hit the NWOC for an hour paddle, and then you know maybe end up in Fremont kicking around in the afternoon slash have dinner in Fremont. Also kind of over by Fremont is Gasworks Park. This park used to be a public utility of Seattle. It has long ago been decommissioned and is now a public park. So you could also pick up some wonderful kind of picnic items while you're at Pike Place Market and then drive over town and go have a picnic here that also has some wonderful, great views of the city. And then to see all the old pipes and things that made up the utility can also make for some really fun photographs. Restaurants for dinner. You will want to do dinner in Seattle, uh, especially, you know, so you can miss that craziness of rush hour that typically lasts from five to seven. I had mentioned fancy seafood. Um, and if that's your something you want to consider, then Ray's Boathouse in Ballard is a great place to get salmon for dinner or other seafood. They might be a little bit more on the pricey side, um, but you're going to really get that experience that is just a wonderful, wonderful restaurant experience. And you can learn more about them at Ray's.com. Salty's on Alki also is another great place to go for dinner. But also what I love going to Salty's for is their brunch. They have a fantastic Sunday brunch and you can sit out on the water at Alki and look back on the Space Needle and the Great Wheel and kind of the skyline of Seattle from the restaurant. And if it's a beautiful day, you can sit out on the deck. You can learn more from them at salties.com. Other things to consider, uh, the Mopop, otherwise known as the Museum of Pop Culture. They have a Jimi Hendrix exhibit or Nirvana exhibit. And for any school-age children or adults who are totally into Minecraft, they have a fantastic Minecraft exhibit. Sam, the Seattle Art Museum has a wonderful collection of fine art. Um, you can always see kind of what ex traveling exhibits they might have by just visiting their website. We also have Mohai, M-O-H-A. We also have Mohai, the Museum of History and Industry. This is a really fun museum because it gives a lot of the history of Seattle. I went there once. I had no idea that during bootlegging and prohibition, Seattle was um, destination for uh, bootleggers to come and to push and move moonshine uh, in and out of the area, which kind of makes sense that we're a big port town, but I had no idea about that growing up. But there's just all sorts of other cool history um, there about the city that's definitely worthy of, of a stop. The Seattle Underground Tour in Pioneer Square. This is a fun and... Um, so Seattle... Let me back up. Seattle is built up or parts of Pioneer Square are built up. There was a fire and an earthquake, and it kind of caved in, and so they just built on top of it. So there's an underground part of Seattle. And um, when you do the Seattle Underground Tour, they take you down underneath, like in the basement of the city, 
And this gives you the body history of Seattle when it was an infant of a city at the turn of the century. We're talking skid rows. We're talking brothels. We're talking fun craziness. It's just Seattle underground and this fire they had in the 1900s and it sunk. So to to see kind of what was happening at the turn of the century in Seattle, this tour is just a really fun. And it is kid-friendly because a lot of the kind of humor that they might share, uh, school-age children just it won't understand it. So it's fine. There's nothing inappropriate per se. But um, the Seattle Underground Tour is really fun to do. Lastly, since we all like to camp and we all like, I'm assuming a lot of you listeners like to do outdoor activities, the Seattle REI. This is the flagship store. I mean, it's got a climbing wall. It's crazy. It's worth just going and checking out. Um, and be sure to check out the bargain basement for deals too. There's a basement that has uh, used gear and returned gear that you can often find really good deals on. All right. So now you've kind of figured out, I want to go to Seattle. This sounds like so much fun. And you've started doing your own research maybe, and you're trying to figure out other things you want to do, but you're like, hmm, where can I stay? Where can I camp? Well, camping close to Seattle is problematic. It's just a really dense metropolitan area. I've got five recommendations and an honorable mention to share with you, but the shortest drive is 35 minutes, and the other ones are kind of up to an hour and a half. So depending on your plans, your itinerary, what you're thinking, where you're going before or after you visit Seattle, some of these campgrounds might uh, be helpful for you. Kayak Point Regional County Park in Warm Beach, Washington. Located about one hour north of Seattle and on Port Susan Bay, this is a great campground. There's lots of fun things to do here from beachcombing, crabbing and fishing, there's a wonderful playground for the children. A disc golf resort is only a mile away, and you can stay here for $40 a night with water and electric. There is no dump station at this campground. Fort Casey State Park in Coopville, Washington. Located on Woodby Island, this is a great campground right by the Coopville to Port Townsend Ferry. This campground is about one and a half hours northwest of Seattle and would require a 15-minute ferry boat sailing to and from should you go to the city. During the summer, the ferry line can be up to two to two and a half hour wait depending on traffic. But there is a great fort there to explore and you could easily walk onto the Coopville Ferry to go out to the Olympic Peninsula and Port Townsend. Or if your kind of next stop is to drive your camper and your RV out to the Olympic Peninsula, then this would be a great spot to camp for a night or two before jumping on the ferry with your RV should you decide to take your RV over to Port Townsend so you can get access to the Olympic Peninsula you will want to make reservations for that ferry boat there are only two ferry boat routes that allow you to make reservations and uh, the Coopville to Port Townsend is one of them it is $45 a night for water and electric and there is no dump station at this campground Gold Basin or Verlot. Uh, these are national forest, USDA national forest campgrounds. They are just a few miles apart. They are located near Granite Falls, Washington. 
These two campgrounds are located in the foothills of the Cascade Mountains. Um, they are about 75 minutes to downtown Seattle. But from this campground, you have easy access to hikes, to a bunch of wonderful hikes. Mount Pilchuck, the Big Four Ice Caves, to name a few. This campground is in a national forest land, so again, there's no hookups. It's dry camping, and the only facilities on site are typical uh, Forest Service pit vault toilets. And if I can recall, it's about $25 a night, no hookups, and no dump station at this campground. Winberg County Park in Lakewood, Washington. This campground is about 45 minutes north of Seattle. Now, don't get confused. There's a Lakewood down by Tacoma, so there's two Lakewoods in this state. This is the northern small town Lakewood. This campground is also located on Lake Goodwin, which has a great swim and beach area, so you can have a day of just picnicking and chilling by the lake and just kind of recharging your batteries and enjoying the sunshine. You can find some full hookup sites at this campground, and they are $50 a night. They also offer sites with just water and electric, and there is a dump station at this campground. Deceptions Pass State Park, Oak Harbor, Washington. Located about one and a half hours north of Seattle, near the Navy town of Oak Harbor. This is a great campground with a lot to see and explore. It fills up fast, so you'll want to plan ahead. If traveling to the San Juan Islands is on your itinerary, this would be a great spot to stop for a couple of days to enjoy the fishing on the lakes, the beach coming, and exploring the surrounding area before heading off to the San Juans. $35 a night with electric and water, and they do have a dump station. Honorable mention, Dash Point State Park in Federal Way, Washington. I have not yet stayed at this campground, which is located 35 miles south of Seattle, closer to Tacoma. If you are traveling from the south going north, this would be a great option to stay at for easy access to both Seattle and Tacoma. Located on the Puget Sound, this campground offers a lot of activities from fishing, beachcombing, skimboarding, kayaking, and kite flying. It's about $40 a night for electric and water, and they do offer a dump station. The greater Seattle metropolitan area is rich with history, culture, and activities. The crowning jewel of the Pacific Northwest, there just is so much to see and do here. These that I shared with you today are just a few of my family favorites, but there is so much more to explore. I will add that there's an old joke with us Washingtonians, but there is also a little bit of truth to it, which is what makes it funny. But our summers don't start here until after the 4th of July. So if you want to hedge your bets on the amazing summer weather, then plan after the 4th of July. The sun won't set until 10.30 p.m. And our wonderful summer weather will last well into September and sometimes even into early October. So, if you don't have school-aged children, maybe look at visiting during the shoulder season after Labor Day weekend. But please note, kids out here start school typically the week after Labor Day. It is my hope that this episode helps bring awareness to some fun activities and places to stay for you to consider when planning your next trip to Seattle. If you ever have any questions, please feel free to contact me directly at rv.out.west at gmail.com, and I would be happy to help. You can also give me a follow on Instagram at rv underscore out underscore west, and feel free to send me a DM with your questions. It's time for our pit stop. 
And today I'm going to be sharing six space saving tips to help you maximize storage in your RV. It really doesn't matter what size trailer or coach you have as storage is almost always an issue. We've spent the last year trying out different solutions and places in our own travel trailer for where we want to stow our gear. It has taken some trial and error, but we have built a pretty great system that seems to be working for us and I thought I would share. Command strips. These are the obvious ones that I bet most RVers use, but we have hooks in lots of places for jackets, hats, towels, truck and trailer keys. They are great to just get items off the sofa or the beds and to make the interior of your RV a bit more tidy. We have also used other command products for storing spices in our kitchen. They offer a great variety of solutions to fit any style. Fabric style containers. We use these inside of our cabinets to help keep things not jostle around on travel days. We have one for our games, one for books, and other small knick-knack items that we use, like walkie-talkies, etc., that just prove to be difficult to find a place to put them. What we like about these is that these containers can be sized or squished and to fit into those non-square RV spaces. Collapsible crates. These are those crates. We, we buy them at Costco, but you can easily find them online, and they will fit flat. So we typically use the collapsible crates for food items, for excess pantry items that we can stow under kids' beds, under the bunks in the back. And then um, as we've kind of used through them and cycled additional food into the pantry, we can collapse these crates and then they take up less space. They are fantastic. We also will use them to shuttle uh, things from the house to the trailer. So kind of the day before or a couple of days leading up to a trip when we are going on a larger trip and we need to shuttle additional items from the house back and forth to the, to the trailer, we'll use these collapsible crates. Similar to that, Ikea bags. We use these also as shuttle bags to and from the camper when packing for a trip. They're great for holding linens and, and sheets and towels and, and comforters and sleeping bags and those kind of things. We will also use them for a dirty clothes bag we will also use them for beach bags. So if you want to throw items that you would typically take on a beach day into these bags, they're great, lightweight, throw them over your shoulder. And then kind of, again, once you get back to the trailer, you can squish them, fold them and put them and tuck them away and do a tiny little space. And it's not like they're not even there. Over the door hooks and mesh bags in the kitchen. We will use the over the door hooks to hang above. And in the, these mesh bags, we put produce, fruit and veggies, etc. So also, our children will see them and they'll be more likely to ask for an apple or a banana or something like that for a snack. Um, and then the mesh bags also, not only do they keep them visible, so we're like, oh yeah, this is the kind of produce we have left. It just helps to not have those the produce being stored like in a bowl on a counter or over on the dinette. Hanging storage bags. These can hang over a door or hang on a closet rod like that more traditional shoe bags that people maybe used for apartment life. But those shoe bags can easily be converted to store lots of things in an RV. Uh, we have one of those kind of shoe bags on my wife's side of the closet in our bedroom so she can put some of her clothes and kind of unpack into each of those little compartments. But they also have other hanging storage bags that you could hang on the back of a bathroom door to use for, you know, makeup or dop kit. So if you have a smaller bathroom sink area in your RV, you can use this to, to store those kind of items as well. These are quick and easy storage solutions that are readily available from any big box retailer or from the biggest online retailer. And these are kind of what we have implemented and used. But 
if you have your own ideas, uh, please take a picture of them and tag RV Out West on social media in the in the post. I am always looking for new ideas and different ways to make the interior of the camper a little more tidy, to make travel days a little easier to break down and put together and to set back up on travel days, but so things don't jostle around. So please do tag me in a post and show me what are you guys doing for your storage solutions? I don't have all the answers. These seem to be working for us. In our next episode in two weeks, I'm going to share all about a great camping spot located near the mouth of the Columbia River and located a stone's throw to the Pacific Ocean. This gym of a state park is a perfect landing spot to unplug with your family, and there is so much to explore in the area. I promise, Cape Disappointment doesn't disappoint. In the meantime, please be sure to share with your friends and family about this podcast and head over to Apple, Spotify, or Amazon Podcasts and leave this show a rating and a review. If you've not yet subscribed to the show, please do so. That way you'll never miss an episode. If you have an idea for a topic you'd like me to discuss, please contact me at rv.out.west at gmail.com. Now, get out there, explore, and go see what's beyond the horizon. Thanks so much for listening to RV Out West. Join us again in two weeks with our next episode. Please like and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or wherever you choose to get your podcast so you never miss an episode. And I sure would appreciate it if you left a rating or a review of the show. Special thanks to Scott Holmes Music for providing the intro song, We Are One. RV Out West can be found on Instagram and Facebook where you can interact with us and follow along on our RV adventures around the Pacific Northwest. So get out there, explore, and go see what's beyond the horizon.